Hey, welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the things culture doesn't want to talk about. That will scare you. We have a really special guest in the studio with us today. It is our Fishers Campus pastor, Mr. Chip Burdick. Yay! What's up, Chip? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I, I don't know what you mean by special. You and I, you need to clarify that for your audience here. <laughs> you're, you're a special guy, man. I just think you're you're special. I mean, what? why is that wrong? I, I think what you're doing here is you're just setting up all your future guests. Like, we're going to get you in, and so everything else is upward and onward from here. <laughs> Well, Chip, it's good to have you in. We we are going to be talking about uh, spiritual warfare. You were you uh, when we asked you to come on, you kind of threw this theme out. I think it's a really cool uh, cool theme to hit, especially being Jesus, sex, and politics. And you kind of were you you were talking to me yesterday about um, kind of your thoughts behind this, and it was sort of based off a Barna study. So dive into that for for us, like what spiritual warfare and what did that Barna study kind of kind of uh, prompt in your spirit to you know talk about. Sure. So it doesn't matter if you go back 10 years ago or the most recent one they've done, somewhere between 44% and 50% of Christians. And you know what they say about statistics? They're like bikinis that show you a lot, but not everything. Um, so <laughs> I've never heard that before, but I'm going to use it a lot now. So. <laughs> Sorry. It is Jesus, sex, and politics, right. right? Okay. So the only person you have to be fear, I tell my wife that the only person you have to fear in this uh, whole thing is Maria. So uh, she <laughs> listens to all of these. If you know Maria at Life Church, she goes through and she's our uh, she basically she's not really our filter because it's already out. Like when she sees this, so she's more of the uh, the retroactively tro- in in any legal <laughs> trouble. Right. She's damage control. She's damage control. There we go. Yeah. So so in these studies, forty four percent to fifty percent of Confessing believing Christians say they do not believe in a literal devil. Wow. And so when you think about that, what could that lead to in our lives? I mean, because if I was the devil, the very number one thing I would want you to believe is that I don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think of Ephesians 5.11 and it says, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And see, the thing is, is the devil is real, but we have also Jesus who is real. And so what, what resonated in my heart here is, is that we need people to understand that the devil is real, but he only has enough power and authority if we give it to him. And so I feel like that's kind of where our basis or where we, we might need to go because it, it tells us that he's scheming. So he's, he's got a whiteboard and he's plotting out things, but the scriptures tell us so does the Lord has plans for us. And he can't create anything, meaning the devil, all he can do is counterfeit. So God's the creator of all things. Satan's the counterfeit of all things. And so when we're talking about spiritual warfare, we got to look at what is he? What does he try to emulate, or what does he try to 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 counterfeit? And so we know from the very beginning, he says, you know, hey, you can be like God. Well, the truth is, is they were already like God. They were created in His image. So he was trying to give a counterfeit when he took Jesus up and he was tempting Jesus. He was trying to offer him these things that Jesus created. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So, well, and and I think that you make a, you make a good point there. I mean, the the devil is, is one, he doesn't want you to know he's there and he, he doesn't create it. We give him a little too much cred sometimes. And Nathan, you, you 
were talking about something with me a few weeks ago where scripture says like we're going to see the devil and the the nations are going to say this is the one who deceived us this yeah, is yeah yeah he's going to be low and kind of worm like i think and and yeah the nations are literally going to look upon him and go seriously this this is the one that laid low the nations yeah um I think we might do good in this discussion if we could go back just a little bit because not every listener knows why, uh, you know, maybe we, we, we know where his story comes from, you know, like where, where does he start at? What are, what are demons? What, what are, where, where's, why, why does loose, you know, we would call him Lucifer or the devil or Beelzebub or Apollyon or there's all kinds of names, but where's this, Where's this character come from? Where did he start? How to get this way? And why does he hate us so? Yeah. I think maybe we should start That'd maybe back at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's a very interesting thing to to make sure people do understand. So he started being the worship leader of heaven. Yeah. And so he was to be the one who reflected the glory the glory of the Lord by the way that they worshipped the Lord. And what, um, so that's where he started. He was one of only, in the beginning, three named angels. So we have Michael, um, the warrior angel. We have Gabriel, who's the messenger angel. Anytime you see Michael, there's always some kind of conflict, war going on. When you see Gabriel, there's always a message like the Virgin Mary Mm -hmm. um, at the empty tomb. Or Daniel. Daniel. And then you see, um, you you see Lucifer and he's the, he's the worship angel. And so when he decides he's going to rebel and he would rather want the glory for himself and, and be apart for eternity from, from the Lord and his pride rose up, then that's when he was cast down. And um, we could talk more about that in a minute. What, what I think is really funny is, is we picture this like it's the Star Wars scene, like it's two hours long. There's this epic battle, you know, and there's this great big fight. But it says he was cast out of heaven like a bolt of lightning. Like it was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you're done. Yeah. Right. And so I wonder if it was Satan who come up with the saying that lightning never strikes the same place twice. <laughs> 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 kind of hoping. Well, he's, he's thrown down in defeat, but his place he ends up on is earth. Do you, you think, know? do you think now I'm just going to speculate here a little bit. So I've always had this idea of did, did, did I've wondered was earth was already created at this point. So there would have had, there would have been the creation because Jesus said, I saw you fall from heaven to earth like lightning. So earth was already a created place. I've always wondered if, if the Lord created Adam and Eve, he created these two beings in his image. Angels are, are, are the Bible tells us are, are here to minister for our good. Would, would God have, would, would God have taken uh, Lucifer and said, Lucifer, you are one of the most beautiful angels in heaven. I want you to go minister to Adam and Eve. And did Lucifer have, because Eve would have known the devil. I mean, I don't think Eve would have saw the serpent, the devil, and said, and said, oh, I don't know you. I'm going to go along with you and believe what you're telling me right now. I feel like there's a relationship that was already there for Eve to have been deceived the way she was, and then for Adam to also be deceived by the serpent. I feel like there had to have been some some aspect of a relationship. Could it have been that God said to the devil, 
uh, or to Lucifer, minister to these beautiful images of me now. These the, and he got God gave man his own kingdom to rule. Which think about from the from Lucifer's perspective, I've served you for eons, God. I've been the most beautiful uh, cherub in 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 heaven, and now you're you're giving a kingdom to. Adam and Eve who haven't served you for more than just, you know, who, well, who knows how many days, but you just created them and you want me to go serve them on behalf of you. Are you kidding me? Like, I feel like that's could that very easily could have been where the pride welled up in him. Now, this is total speculation. I'm not saying this is biblical and I could be wrong here, but I've always kind of seen it that way. Like there was there, I, I think there was this aspect of pride because he saw what man was given totally out of the grace and the goodness of God, and he wanted it for himself. And you said it earlier, Chip, we give Satan authority. When when Adam and Eve fell, they gave authority of earth to, they transferred it to the devil mm-hmm. at that point. There so. are so many aspects of this thought process that begs the question of when did Lucifer fall? Yeah. Right? Uh, is it after Oh, well, no. All, Are we going to get all, into a, a new earth and old oil conversation here? Well, I think you could, yeah. right? We'll try and avoid that. Uh, but but the constant, you know, the, the Bible talks about the Garden of God where the morning stars worship together. You only have two that are called the morning stars. You yeah. have Lucifer. Jesus and Lucifer, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we're, was, was, uh, was it that, that Eden's created and Adam and Eve are created? And there's perfect peace, and everything's perfect. Remember that the Bible said, "And God looked upon it all, all and said it was good that He had made, yeah. and behold, it was all very good." And so you've got humans, angels alive, watching each other do what yeah. they do, and that's why they trusted the serpent. I mean, that's why Eve would have totally been listening to it wasn't some random being that all of a sudden popped out out of nowhere and said hey come over here i'm gonna sell you some you know crack uh, you know off my my from my suitcase here right like i think she had a relationship with him. well we I, don't know how long they all lived in peace together right we have no yeah. concept we read the story and it seems like one thing happens and immediately this thing happens but but literally there could be any be uh, unknown period of time that we don't know where where the serpent, you know, at, at what point does the serpent recognize that he's smarter than everybody else? Yeah. Right. Um, at what point does how how many how many, how long does does Lucifer serve God happily yeah. and joyfully until the day that pride was found in his heart? You know. Yeah. So I think I think when when you look at the scenario, I think one he. Um, Satan in, in heaven when he before he fell he did serve the Lord I think when when did this how happen when did pride rise up I personally think that it's probably in the event of that we were created in his image it doesn't tell us the angels were created but it doesn't say the angels were created in his image they're created to minister they're created to reflect his glory um, but that's different than the nature's created to reflect his glory right and and everything that's in the earth. I think his hatred for mankind came in the fact of that we're his replacement. Yeah. He's so important that he's named. There's lots of angels in the Bible, but they're not all named. Only a handful are named. Even less than a handful are named. 
So he's named, he's super important, but he doesn't replace him with another angel and give him the same position. He created us to be the worshipers to replace him. And I think that in and of itself gave Lucifer the hatred for mankind. You're made in God's image. You're my worship replacement. I can't defeat God. It's already been proven. Lightning strike thrown to earth. But what I can do is I can get at God if I can keep his children from serving God. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what his objective is. So whether he fell, whether you know, whether Lucifer fell first and then the then creation of man or or vice versa, whatever it was, that really you know, it's a it's a fascinating conversation, but I don't want to I don't want to get derailed on that because we really want to talk about Okay, with the devil and the and demons do exist. How do we battle them? What is going on in this world when it comes to this spiritual warfare that we see just uh, undermining everything good God created? So, you know, Chip, you you kind of said yesterday when we were talking about this episode, you're like, let's talk about the spiritual aspect of those three things, which are in the title of this podcast: Jesus, sex, and politics. Why is there such a a, an attack on on those three things within our culture right now, and, I, and you, you made a good point on that. So dive into that a little bit for us, if you would. Yeah. So I mean, Lucifer, as Pastor Nathan said, is he's called the the Morning Star, or another trans uh, way he's named is the Light Bearer. But he's a false light. He's an angel of light. And so what he wants to do is he wants to get us to mimic him. He promises us, and we see this in the culture, right? You can see demonic forces working. We're not calling these people demon-possessed, but we can see demonic influences working through people who promise freedom or liberty or life, and all they produce is sorrow and slavery and death, right? And so so he's a liar and a deceiver, and, and what he's doing is, is he's coming in and he's getting people to believe Jesus isn't good. Like these things wouldn't be happening in your life. So when you mention the name of Jesus, it sparks up all these different emotions in people that are lies. They're not even true. Mm-hmm. And so like you could mention God as much as you want in today's culture. You, you wouldn't even be suppressed, I don't think, all that much for mentioning God. But as soon as you invoke the name of Jesus, the name in which every name and every character and everything this created has to bow to, as soon as you do that, invoke that name, because that's our power. Our power is in the name of Jesus, and when we invoke that, it just it it just creates this automatic hatred for anyone that's opposed to what His truth is. You can see that in politics too. You 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 hear people say, "God bless you," or "God bless America," or "God God God." Like we, you know. But how many times do politicians? say the name of Jesus. When that happens, that's kind of like a... They don't even pray in his name. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, you know, you, you listen to their prayers, and they might say, you know, uh, in your name. Yeah. But they won't or say... God in the name of God Almighty. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah they'll, 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 they don't want to offend a, you know, polytheistic society uh, when Jesus' name is so offensive because he is the king alone. Well, you had that in the uh, the swearing in of the 117th Congress with Emmanuel, uh, I think it's Emmanuel Cleaver, the representative from Missouri, who gets up and opens the this Congress back in this was 2021. This yeah, was the yeah. this was three days later. There was January 6th that happened, and uh, and and you had this representative in 
pray to open up Congress like they do a new session, a new Congress every year. They've been doing it for uh, for two hundred thirty four years. He was some kind years. of a minister. He was of a, a, of a denomination. Yeah, yeah, and he gets up and he says he he has this prayer. You might remember the prayer. The prayer was uh, when he closed it. He said, "Amen and a woman." That was the stupidity of the prayer. Oh, but the but the. The, the, the meat of the prayer was far more offensive if you actually listen to the words because he invoked Brahman. the Brahma, yeah. the, the Hindu all-powerful God. And he, and he said, he said, he said, God, we've prayed to you for years from this, from this room and from this house, and many people know you in many different ways. Some know you as one way, and others know you as as Brahma, the all powerful God, and 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 then he closes and he says, you know, we pray in your name, Amen, and Ah, woman, right? And I mean, it was it's the it was it was blasphemous from one perspective to get up in the house that has has always proclaimed the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God, and then now he's he's now bringing in this counterfeit. And then obviously he, the exclamation point was a ah, woman. Like, I mean, it was, it was like, what, what the heck just happened? I felt like the Lord allowed that to happen to just so you could say, he could say, see how dumb this person yeah, is. Professing to be wise. Yes. Right. Fools. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, but to your point, Chip, it goes back to this. They won't talk about Jesus. He didn't say Jesus anywhere in that, in that prayer, but well, and, God. What a, and what a deception. Yeah. Right to to say that it's it, I mean Jesus it's it's narrow is the way, but the culture wants the way to be wide. I want I want whatever I want to be the path. Yeah, all roads lead to all the same place. Yes, you know, and it, I think like even in armor, it's why one of the first pieces that's discussed is to put on the, the um, buckle the the belt of truth around your waist. Right. Um, well, what happens if you don't have a belt to hold up your pants? You become exposed. And so without the truth, <laughs> here's a mental picture for you. Go, wah, wah. Hey, you know, um, well, not only are you exposed, but I mean, it leads to in all three areas because I mean, think about what that does. So it exposes you. So you become, you would become naked and vulnerable and exposed. You, you so also, wait, 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 wait. say the word naked again. No, I say it weird. I know it's <laughs> naked, um, naked, um, naked, naked. <laughs> um, there's other people like how I say it too. That's you know, a- <laughs> Deb, Deb, your wife yes, likes that. That's the only other person that I would say this word to. Well, um, we but, could, this all stays between us guys. Okay? Uh, this yeah. All stays. Oh yeah. yeah, we're not putting this out anywhere. Okay, thank you. Um, but but when you think about it, it's hold. A, it's the belt is also to hold your weaponry. That's right. Yep. So the sword, which is our only offensive weapon, but it's also to protect. What a lot of people don't realize about the belt of the Roman soldier is it also had a place that went down the front that literally protected your reproductive organs. I mean, it's, it protected your, your ability to reproduce and, and everything about what you did, but it all comes from a place of truth. And so you can't have sexuality the way it's supposed to be because we don't have the truth of the gospel into it. And a compromised gospel leads to compromised living. And so we have this warped thinking as it all leads to all roads. Well, if you don't invoke the name of Jesus, then you don't invoke the truth of, of the Lord of the universe, right? So now all of a sudden sexuality's messed up and anything goes, but even engineers know, like if I put two female pieces together or two male pieces together, the building's going to fall apart. So like, we can't, <laughs> I mean, right. but so we, even engineers know, like you can't build anything that way yep. and it's, and it be sustained. And then you talk about politics. I mean, within that armory, it talks about, we have the shield of faith because the, the devil slings fiery darts or arrows at us. 
and I know you know this, Micah, from from your engagement in politics, but everything is hurled at you from a distance. Mm-hmm. They won't sit down and have coffee with you. No, yeah. They 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 won't sit across the table. Let's come and reason together, mm-hmm. right? They won't say like, "Hey, I'm I I'm maybe is misunderstanding where you're coming from." Like, can we sit down and have a conversation? Yeah, I've they want to sling it from a yeah. distance. And I've reached out to people who have been slinging their arrows from a distance. Like even as recently as a few weeks ago, there was a former worship pastor who was really coming at me online, and I actually sent him a private message. Say, "Hey, man, like." I, let's grab coffee. I'll buy you a coffee. And and I think we could, I think we have more in common than you realize. Well, his response was like, no way. I'm not going to sit down with you. And, uh, and, and to, but to your point that they love that they like to be the, the stealthy archer. You don't even really know where it's coming from. They just want to take you out. But the moment you see them or come face to face with them or close, close combat with them, essentially, right. They, oh, they get scared. And they, they, it, and you made a good point yesterday when we were talking about this, that the sword, the Roman sword is not a long, like King Arthur Knights of the round table kind of sword. It's more of a dagger. It's like 24 inches long. It's a a Roman Roman gladius, which is, which is the only really the, uh, just about the length from your elbow to the tips of your fingers. Okay. it's it's not a a long weapon. It's meant for close combat. Yeah. You got to get close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which, which is why the, the scriptures tell us to come and reason together. It's why the scriptures talk about relationship and community so much. Because if we're at a distance, we might misunderstand each other. But if we're up close and personal, then we know. And of course, I'm not going to stab you with, with my sword as a weapon to harm you if I'm up close and personal and I'm understanding your heart and I see, oh, wait a minute, we're actually in alignment here. We're not, we're not misaligned. I just didn't understand where you were coming from or I didn't understand your perspective, but now I do. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. And it's a really great perspective, Chip. I, I, I like what you said, you come and reason together. But my question to you in this, uh, in this environment is we've seen a lot of unreasonable people. How do you reason with unreasonableness. And, and I, th- I feel like sometimes in the church when we're, when we're battling in these spiritual warfare environments, a lot of pastors, Christians tend to think we can reason with the demonic. And I'm not saying that people themselves are, are the demons, but I am saying like, you know, uh, the people are influenced by the demonic and we can certainly see that in our culture, but there's this, there's this push to, to accept everybody and to say, oh no, well, we can we can we can be reasonable with the demonic. It's kind of like what Neville Chamberlain did in World War II, right before with Hitler. War, with Hitler, he thought he could reason with Hitler. If we could just have one more conversation, I yeah. really think we could work this out. And and it <laughs> and, and 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 that didn't, we know how well that went until it was Winston Churchill that rose up and Winston Churchill said, "We cannot negotiate with a tiger when our heads are in its mouth." You know what I mean? It's yep. like. He's like, you, the only thing you can do is fight at that point. And, and so here, here we have kind of our churches. I feel like we're trying to negotiate and reason with the demonic when our heads are in the mouth, uh, the, the, the mouth of a demon. And, and I guess, so what do you do at that point? How do, you, how do you know when it's reasonable and those are the people that you can reason with? And then how do you know when to take out your dagger and, you know, go, go to battle? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I think you have to dis- you have to pray for a spirit of discernment so that you understand because what you have that gets involved in all this is you also have your human emotions. So you have the spiritual and then you have your emotions and then you have this person sitting across from you. And I think that what people don't like to hear is is we are in a battle. 
and we are in a war, and there is a time to fight. Um, the scriptures tell us that um, that we are. There's times where we're going to have to take the kingdom by force, mm. and so what we have to understand here here's where I think you draw the line: is me doing something by force going to lead to either freedom, liberty, life, or or protection of the values of of our Savior? And if it's going to do one of those things, then I think we have to say it's that we need to take up arms and fight. Mm. Yeah. And if it's going to lead to further destruction or, or so you can have good division, right? There's just a such thing as good division. Yeah. When the Lord comes back, it literally tells us he's going to yeah. sift, yeah. you know, who's his and who's not. It's kind of like dividing the, the tumor from the healthy part of the body, right? Yes. Like that's good division. You yeah. See that? yeah. So there's good division. I think that our discernment of that is, is, is what I said a moment ago. Is, is it going to lead to one of these things that not only aligns biblically, but I mean, these are the foundations of our country, right? Is, you know, we want life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness and freedom and these kind of things. And so, so does our gospel align with that? And if our argument deviates from that, then we probably shouldn't fight. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's times that's where we reason and we see where it's going and your discernment says, Hey, wait a minute. This is coming against like this is tyranny or this is this is literally coming against the freedoms of other people like this is enslavement or bondage. That's not the Lord's call for us. His call is freedom. Yeah, yeah. For the sake of freedom, Christ set us free. Galatians five one. I think, I think when you're determining, do you fight or do you, you know, what what's the posture to take? Right. Um, I think David gives us a good understanding whenever he takes on the lion and the bear. What do the lion and bear come to do? Well, they've come to take what belongs to his father. You know, he's a shepherd who's watching out over what is his father's. And by virtue that it's his father's, it's his. And it and he he kills those things violently as they are coming in to steal from him. Um if you look at Goliath. When he walks out there, he didn't go to get into a fight with Goliath. He, he went obeying his father and finds out that the enemy of God happens to be out in that field. He recognizes the mocking tone of Goliath, right? Because he's mocking the God of Israel. And David says, that, that can't be allowed to continue. Then he says, who is that, that, that giant? But he's uncircumcised. He doesn't belong to us. He's not one of us. He's not the people of God. He doesn't have the covenant of God. And he's out here mocking the armies of the living God. You know, and, and, and I think that if you look at David's posture in that whole thing, there's something that gets him spitting mean over this issue. What do you mean nobody's willing to go fight him? What do you mean that the king won't go out and face him? I mean, you know, Saul's head and shoulders over all of Israel. He's seven feet tall. A lot of a lot of the, you know, the historians, the, the historians and 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 the scholars believe. If anybody and 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 he, Goliath even says it. Are not you servants of Saul? Who does Goliath expect to come out and and face him? I think that if we could pick up that, hey, there are, there are enemies who are trying to mock God. And God says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. 
you know, he he kind of goes out against that kind of a spirit. And, you know, in, in the spirit of what we're talking about, spiritual warfare, we're to test the spirits to see if they're of God or not. And if they're not of God, they're our enemy. That's a, that is a demonic spirit. And I'm not going to, to talk nice to a demonic spirit. I don't think that Jesus talks nice to any demonic spirit. That's right. So practic- practically speaking, what do you do when you come up to it? Because it's all well and good to talk about our our armor of God. Okay, there are you know demons. The devil is real. Yada yada yada. All that stuff. Okay, so what do I do when I you know encounter a demonic spirit, or I feel like there is a spirit of anxiety or fear, which are demonic spirits, or or suicide, which is a demonic spirit, or or when I encounter these these demonic spirits, what do you do? Like you attack them. Okay, so how do you do that? Well, I mean, I love what David does. He runs to the battle. You know, he runs right after him. He speaks faith-filled words. When 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 the spirit says that 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 demonic spirit in Goliath, that mocking spirit, and it says, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you today. I'm gonna give your flesh to the to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. I love that David takes those exact same words and says, Oh no, it's exactly the opposite. I'm gonna I'm going to humiliate you today, and I'm gonna I'm going to destroy you today, and you're going to be devoured today. I think it breaks the spirit of intimidation because I think most of what the enemy operates with is that long, I love how you pointed out, that long-range distance attack, and it's a tim- intimidation. It's like a bully. Yeah. You face a bully. Um, if you give in to the bully all the time, he's going to continue to bully you. You punch him in the face once, and the bully all of a sudden cowers. Or when the bully's going to get into a fight, they all of a sudden you realize they don't even want to fight. And I think um, Satan's going after easy prey. It says he prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not even a lion. He's like a lion, but he's prowling around. He has no bite. Again, it's the authority that we give to him, mm. right? And so I think what we do is we engage sometimes in the same warfare that the that the world does, and by doing it that way. We give it bite, but when we just say like, like we can pray for them, like sometimes even in the moment, you if there's a demonic spirit, they immediately you can tell like they'll stop arguing. They may walk away themselves. Um, they may end the fight because they're not going. <laughs> you're not going to pray for me, right? Or, or it can help you, um, you know, cast out whatever that that demon is. I think every time that Jesus went, he spoke directly to the force that was there. And I think what we do too too many times is we'll sit in a setting where there's a demonic spirit present, and we talk around it instead of talking to it. Oh yeah. And, and I think if we just if we're just direct and we speak to it or the influence of it, whatever that is, um, it has to flee. It has. It'll either leave your presence or it'll leave that person in your presence. Yeah, but I got to be honest with you. Probably a lot of people would not like it if we. If we if we actually did that, like if you're sitting at a dinner party and somebody is speaking with a demonic, the demonic spirit is speaking, you know, uh, that that philosophy or whatever, and you turn around like Jesus did and goes, "Hey, Satan, get behind me," you know? <laughs> or "Hey, you know what? You don't even know what spirit you're of right now." I've tried that. They don't like that, right? Yeah, I don't. I think most people would be super offended, but literally. Well, I think you. I think you ask on. it different ways. You're right. You wouldn't like. You wouldn't stand up in the middle of Maggiano's and be like, "You, Spiel Spiel Satan, 
get out of here. Um, but I think like, you know, where are you coming from, man? Like, I don't understand where this is, where this has come from. Explain to me like where you seem hostile or you seem like, I think you can call it out in everyday language, but what you're really doing is speaking to the demonic spirit that's in them. And they still might be upset or mad. But again, I think what I've realized is most times one of two things, they might scream and shout a little bit more, but eventually they just leave because they realize there's no way they're going to win. Right. Yeah. I think exposing it, yeah. the, the enemy is, you know, to you where we started this at 50% of evangelicals. It, by the way, if that's you, shame on you. You need to learn the word of God, right? You should never hold a position that you don't believe that the devil is real. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Jesus had conversations with the devil in the wilderness and you don't believe that the <laughs> scriptures literally record that, and you think that he's just a mythological um, adaptation of a cartoon with a pitchfork and little red horns, you have missed it. He has duped you, right? But I think it is, if the devil does not want to be seen, that's how you first do spiritual warfare. You must call him out. I know you're here. It almost reminds me of... uh, Oh, here's a Lord of the Rings reference since since Micah makes fun of me for liking it too much. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Nathan. I'm, uh, I'm going to tell you about the Lord of the Rings now. Uh, uh, so listen up. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Right now. Right. In the in in the movie where where Gandalf goes in and he has to call Saruman out for his hold on Theoden. And he says, I'm going to I'm going to draw you out like poison from a wound. That's he. You have to call out when you see the enemy actively working because a lot of people don't see him there. Mm. And when you do that, you're actually serving everybody to go, hey, do you realize that we're in the presence of a poisonous serpent mm. right now? I mean, who do you know that would not point out, hey, there's a rattlesnake in the room we're in right now? Everybody would do that and probably not go in the room. You know, we would think that's just an, hey, there's a rattlesnake in there. That's just common courtesy, right? <laughs> hey, those are good eating. I killed a lot of those in my day. Hey, you do know there are churches that would bring rattlesnakes into the church, That's right? not what we mean by Pentecostal, Micah. <laughs> Everyone, come jump on a rattlesnake. <laughs> that's funny. Well, uh, then you have, you know, then when you call it out, then you have to deal with it, right? So, so you don't. You don't want to get a butt kicking by a demon. So, uh, you know, the sometimes I've seen that happen where people are totally outgunned by the demon and they're not, they're not ready to come up against the demon. I mean, you see that in what is it? Acts, Sons of Sceva. Uh Yeah, in Acts chapter 19, yeah. you know, the they they they're they're these exorcists, right? And they go in and try to they they're like, "Wow, want to be exorcists. They want to be yeah. exorcists, right?" Say, yeah. They're they're, <laughs> they're not. not really. <laughs> so so yeah. so to meet Micah, that's a great point because what they're doing is they're operating in their authority and they're trying to invoke God's authority, but they haven't submitted themselves to the Lord's authority. They don't know so, him. So yeah, they don't they don't know him. So like the Bible gives us a very clear direction, right? So he Satan Satan is an authority. Like it says he's a ruler. So he he understands hierarchy. And so he he automatically he's like I like hey Jesus I know Paul I know. I I don't know you so I'm going to kick your butt. But when you operate through God, James tells us submit to God and then resist the then you can resist the devil. 
too many people try to resist the devil, Without but they have submission. not submitted that's good. That's good. and yeah, surrendered that's to the Lord. And, and you submit to the Lord by obeying his commands. You know, that's, you know, those who love me will obey my commands. And we got a lot of churchgoers who don't really, they love, they claim to love Jesus, but they don't, well, they don't obey what he says. And let me just, just, uh, pounce on that a little bit. I think that the way we obey God's command is if you love me, you'll obey my command, right? Not that we have to obey God's command to love him, but when we love him, we'll look we like will yeah. naturally obey his commands. If you see somebody who is really struggling with a rebellious heart, you know, the rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, the Bible says. So rebellion is a huge indicator for what spirit you're operating. Mm. If you're act, act, acting like to Chip's point, in a spirit of submitting to God, you submit to God's authorities established. You submit to uh, love. You submit to peace. You submit. There's you're, you. You submit to the Holy Spirit as He leads us. Then, then you don't see that spirit of rebellion. In in most cases, what I would offer is you see a spirit of uh, of 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 teachability, mm-hmm. right? Well, and I would even say, Pastor, to, to take that even a step further is that you even submit to being angry and hating the things that the Lord hates. And anger isn't a sin. It's what you do with anger that's a sin. That's right. I mean, we see Jesus methodically left the temple. He orchestrated and built a whip. Yep. Took some time. That took time. (laughs) Yep. The whole time he's building it, he's like, oh, yeah, wait till they see what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> but, but to your the point. zeal have God have consumed me. <laughs> exactly. So, but it was still in self-control. It was still, in, it was still a controlled way, but it was like, you're not going to do this to my house. And so even in those aspects when people say, well, you seem angry or whatever, you're darn right I'm angry. Like, this is not God's best for you. I'm ang- I can't be more angry for you than you can be for yourself, but I am angry. I had a situation with a young man who uh, is a veteran going through PTSD, was going to kill himself. And so I'm driving to Fishers one morning, and um, before I left, my wife saw something on Facebook, wanted me to respond to it. So when I called this young man who was in my youth ministry, um, he just starts He's crying just uncontrollably. So as I'm talking to him, uh, and I can't, I mean, I cannot understand anything he's saying because it's all being, you know, through, through all the tears, I just can't understand it. And so I do what I would do when there's no peace, and I just start to pray. When I start praying, he starts cussing. I mean, every obscenity, F your Jesus, F God. I don't want to hear any of that, you know, and and all these vulgarities start coming out of his mouth. And I just kind of, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay. So I, I end up talking to him on the way to the prayer meeting that morning. And I think I text you, Pastor mm-hmm. Chip, and I'm like, hey, I am in the parking lot. And I'm talking to a guy who's kind of suicidal. And I, I just need you guys to pray for me this morning. Um, and as I was talking to him, I remember I'm, I'm coming down 141st street, hadn't yet passed Howell road. And I have begun to scream at him because he is coming out with all I can hear is this, this demonic spirit that is just, it, it's just, uh, 
F, F, Jesus, F that, you know, right? And and I just start screaming back at him. But I mean, I, I'm using full roar. And I'm, and I'm telling him that I'm fighting for him. Oh, as soon as I start roaring, and I'm not, I'm not like, you know, calling him names or anything like that. I've just elevated my tone. And I start speaking to the demonic spirit. I mean, you shut up right now. I want to talk to this young man. Shut your mouth. And he goes, do you really think I'm demon possessed? You know, <laughs> and I go, I'm telling you, demons are at work right now. And I just want to talk to you. And I don't want to talk to that spirit anymore. And like he tones down and he's like, you know, just calm down. Calm down, Pastor Nathan. Calm down. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not going to calm down. I'm fighting for you. I love you. I've loved you since you were a teenager. I'm fighting for you right now, and I'm not going to let the enemy have you like that, right? But you had to, you know, it was just like I just had to confront the spirit. And when I got spitting mean, the enemy backed down, and he he's back to, like, just conversational tones. I took him out to breakfast that day, and when I got to his door, that kid wrapped his arms around me and hugged me and cried, right? And I mean, like, the Lord's done a work in his life since then. But I had to bring to his attention, the demonic is at work in you. Do you, do, uh, you know, I'm not, whether you want to call it possession, oppression, all that stuff, just biblically speaking, it's demonized, demons are at work. Do you recognize that? Because how do you get free unless you understand who your oppressor is? My mom was... uh a similar type story was counseling a, a lady and she was really, she was just really depressed. She was very scared and, and uh, very anxious all the time. And and they were, my mom was telling me the story. They were sitting at a McDonald's just up in the, in Michigan there where they're from. And, and this lady begins to just kind of, you know, say, I just, I just, I'm, I'm so tired and I just, I've given up and I, I don't know what to do. And my mom just, uh, she, the lady lays her head down on the table, so her eyes are kind of covered up, and her her forehead's just kind of on the table. My mom just says, begins to speak Jesus over her and begins to, you know, speak life over her. And the moment that she begins to speak the name of Jesus, this lady lifts up her her head, and her eyes are completely black. There is no, there is nothing, there is no white. There's no, it's that's completely black, and out of her mouth comes this like like serpenty like low voice that says, I don't want your Jesus. Leave your Jesus get your Jesus away from mm. me, right? And and so, you know, obviously my mom's been around situations like that. I don't think it necessarily shocked her, but I don't think she was necessarily ready for it in that moment too. And then the <laughs> the lady the lady she was telling me just laid her head back down on the on the the table. And then and then my mom, you know, said, Hey, so-and-so are you, like, are you okay? And she lifted her heads up and she was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, I'm okay. I feel like, and she didn't even know what had happened. She didn't like literally had no idea. That, and I asked my mom, I said, mom, well, what, did you just tell her what happened? She, Oh, I mean, we walked her through it over the course of like a few weeks. I didn't tell her in that moment. Cause I would have really freaked her out if they're, Hey, by the way, there's a demon inside of you right now. We <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, like this was a, this was a time where she didn't even, this lady had no clue that she was demon possessed. Yeah. 
And and it was I think she did in the sense that like she knew that there was complete unrest within her life. There was anxiety, there was fear, there was suicidal thoughts, there were all of this wicked wicked depression that was happening within her. She could feel that, but she didn't necessarily put two and two together. Going back to your point, Chip, or at the beginning, the demons don't want you to know they're there. Yeah. Satan doesn't want you to think he's really he wants you to think it's all you. When you hear those voices in your head, take your life, take your life, just end it all now, just give up. There's nothing worth living for. That they only win when they think when you begin to think that's yourself telling you that. And that, that's why I think we have to we have to listen to the words that are being said mm-hmm. because the devil has a mission statement. It's to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what he does. Um, you know, we're, we're told about the devil. He is a, he's a liar. Mm-hmm. He's the father of lies. He's the deceiver. He's the, um, he, he, you know, Satan, by its very term, means that he's the prosecutor, right? He, he's trying to make a case. No for offense, your, no for offense your, to all the good prosecutors out there. Yeah, for your guilt. <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to go there. But, but he is, when, when he speaks, he speaks lies because that's his native language. And so I think we have to listen to, you, you could spot a demonic spirit all over the place. Sometimes I just listen to music lyrics, and I, I'm kind of looking forward to when we do a Jesus, Sex, and Politics and we actually tackle music because uh, music tells us so much about, and I'm not just talking about a beat or a guitar lick. I'm talking about the lyrics, the spirit that's behind the whole thing. Um, it, it's telling us a, a philosophy and you have to recognize whether or not that philosophy is of God or it's not of God. And if it goes against God's word, that's how the devil would speak. He would try to cast dispersions on it. And if you just use that as the simple premise of whether the enemy is at work behind that thing, well, you will, you'll like, oh my goodness, Pastor Nathan, that's everything. That's every song we listen to. That's, that's, that's every spirit coming out of, you know, some politician's mouth you know they're espousing lies and when you spot the liar you should know the spirits Mm. there yeah i think that's good um early on when i was a first saved my spiritual father he told me to to understand the the demonic in the way that it works to study the man that jesus crossed over through the storm in Mark five, mm-hmm. it was the legion of yeah. demons. And cause in that his faculties that were, you know, compromised or those kind of things was his mental, um, his physical and his emotional. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you can see, I'm not saying there's a devil under every emotion or, or, or every mental capacity or those kind of things. But I think too often we also dismiss that there could be. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that, What's so interesting at the end of that story is what scared the crowds wasn't that he was delivered from having demons inside of him. It was that he was sitting there in his right mind. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it literally says that's oh, what yeah. scared them. Yeah. And so so I think there's often these these demons when they're in people, people get used to them being that way. And they're like, oh, that's just how so-and-so is. But like maybe it's not. 
they, maybe, they didn't want to address the demon in the room really like i think when they f- they probably were just able to say well that's just that's how he was born like that's mental Ill- i mean we do this in our society right now everything right now is mental illness right we look at it and and i think we don't want to address the demon in the room we don't want there to be demons behind some of these mental illnesses we just want to think that it's just how that person is not not just mental illnesses physical illnesses. sure yeah i mean that is not a popular thing to say right there would be people that go oh that that's that's crazy you go to the rest of the world go over to africa ask them whether they believe in demons <laughs> they see the manifestation of that way more i think the devil hides very well in a western culture right but you look through the scriptures and see how many times it says, and Jesus healed the sick and cast out demons, and Jesus healed the sick and cast out demons, yeah. and Jesus healed the sick and cast out demons. And demons come manifesting when Jesus comes around because they know his authority and they know that they're not allowed to be in that in in that same sphere of influence. And they start bailing because they're scared they're uh, in it it to to uh to Pastor Chip's uh, passage he just pulled out the garrison demoniac those demons are afraid they're going to be tortured mm-hmm. before the appointed day well why would they freak out over over jesus unless that maybe jesus has already chained some demons up in the abyss like we see in in jude. the book of jude right that that some demons are already under condemnation and when people tell me i'm not scared of hell well you should be because <laughs> demons are scared of hell yeah. and i don't think we ought to preach on hell well you should preach on hell jesus preached on hell you know jesus does more to warn us about hell than any other person in the bible yeah and i think one of the travesties um and i know it's god's plan but i think one of the travesties of where we li- how we live now is no matter whether you know him as your savior or not, you have a sense of his grace and his love and his presence on this earth right now because he hasn't come back and it's not fully withdrawn, right? So, but one of the worst parts of hell when I was studying about hell is not even the fire that can't be quenched or the worm that won't die. It's the absolute um, absence of God's grace, love, and mercy. Yeah. Like that's the absolute worst part of, of hell is you have none of it there. That's right. And, and when you look at, um, when you look at the story that we were just referencing, he also manifests himself in where we see the demonic realm showing itself in so many ways. So if you look at the man, he was naked a lot. There's your word again. Mark. <laughs> naked. 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 Um, so he, <laughs> so what do we see that in today? A lot with pornography and the influence that it has. So there's all these demonic influences, right? Mm-hmm. He was violent um, to others and to himself. He's probably got chains or, or, or like bracelets on his wrist them. because he had he broke broken them. out. Yes. Right. So supernatural strength, supernatural strength. He, and so, so when you see everything manifest in this in this gentleman that that basically we can look at society and say, well, why did they want to suppress him? Why did they want to do these things? And again, when you come up with so like politics, like the policy of that region was is like, hey, it's better that this man's demon possessed and and over there than it is that we do something to help set him free. Mm-hmm. And so like the politics of the culture is is like. Oh, well, maybe that would be better, but our policy will be this because we feel like that's what's best for us. Yeah. Well, yeah. they weren't trying to set him free. They were trying to keep him bound. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And I wonder how much of what we do in our society today keeps people bound. Yeah. Oh. It doesn't really set him free. No. Right. You know? If you're not going to have an encounter with Jesus, you're not going to know real freedom. Right. 
I, I lo- also think about the fact that he is living amongst the dead, mm-hmm. right? He's and and if I'm not mistaken, that he cut himself, yeah, right. So we've got cutting, we've got a suicidal type spirit that's there, we've got uh, being enamored and staying among corpses and death and depression. There's a lot yeah. of indicators, yeah. There. And this is why we have to be engaged because. Jesus confronts it instead of goes and, you know, and turns around and says, well, I'm just not going to deal with this, right? I'm just going to go back and go back to my house or my boat or whatever, right? Which is what so many Christians yeah. do today. It's don't like, look over there. Don't look. Don't make no, eye contact. I'm going to put, put my head in the sand or, or turn <laughs> Peter, the other way. Peter, quick. <laughs> Get but, away. But because Jesus engaged 10 more cities, the entire cities were freed. Decapolis. Because of this man. That's cool. Yeah. So he's set free. And and so the story of this is the reason that the, de- the devil doesn't want us to know he's real is because he doesn't want us to go out and liberate other people. That's right. But when this man's set free, what does he do? He turns around and says, I'm not just going to hoard my freedom. I'm going to go out and ensure that others can be free too. And so he went around and he set 10 other cities literally free because of what, what Jesus had done for him. Freedom is contagious in a good way. And I think that's, you know, right now in our culture, we see, especially 2020, 2021, and in 2022, we just see an assault on liberty and freedom around the world. And and I think that, that too, in its core is demonic. I mean, God is not the God of slavery and oppression. God is the God of freedom and liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And when we, when we, when we begin to set people free, we're going to come up against demonic encounters. We're going to come up against the spiritual warfare. And just to put a bow on all of this and kind of wrap it up here, because it's been a great conversation, but the, the, the authority piece, Chip, you, you, you mentioned that if you're dealing with the demonic right now, if you're dealing with the supernatural, there's a, there's your sword is your voice. So when you, when you speak it out, you're, you've got a double-edged sword coming out of your mouth. You're, you're aligning with God's truth and his word is his sword. We see him riding back on the, on a, on a, a, a horse, a white horse and his says he has a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth and nathan i love how you said that's a that's a uh an analogy of his word coming out and we speaking his word back to him it's the the two two sides the two edges of the the two edges of the sword and and so if you're dealing with those demonic spirits and you're if you feel like there's there's unrest in your house well speak open your mouth that's the first thing you got to open your mouth and you got to speak it out because if you a lot of christians i find pray internally they 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 prayed it like they're they're thinking the prayer but they don't speak it out now god is you know he's all knowing god can hear your thoughts he knows what you're thinking but the devil and his demons do not they're not all knowing they're not omniscient they're not omnipresent satan can't be everywhere at once he can't be all knowing the only way they they're they're good at reading your body language they know humans well they've studied human uh, humanology essentially, but they they can't hear your thoughts. You until you open your mouth and speak it out against them, they're not going to bow to your authority. I always I always say it like this: Why do you pull over when there's red and blue lights behind you in your rearview mirror? Because there's an authority that is associated with those red and blue lights. Those red and blue lights are not powerful. There's nothing magical about those red and blue lights. There's an authority that's associated with those red and blue lights. If a police officer comes up behind a car, wants that car to pull over, but never turns on his lights, 
to pull him over and then ask the question, well, why didn't they pull over? They were speeding. I got up right behind him. I wanted them to pull over, but he never activated his authority through the lights. It's yeah, the same good. thing. That's the same thing good. you're doing when you don't open your mouth. You may be thinking, why is these demons, why are they here? Why are they constantly oppressing me? You've never activated your authority by opening your mouth declaring the name of Jesus. And that name is powerful. Even for those who are not believers, the name of Jesus is powerful. And I want to give you the story here. We have a family member, uh, not necessarily a Christian, wasn't a Christian at the time. The Lord's working on his heart. He's probably still not a, a believer, uh, quote unquote. I don't think he's given his heart to the Lord yet, but he, he, he lived in a big city in America and he was kind of living the high life and uh, he had an apartment. And um, one night he, he, felt uh, all of a sudden he felt this thing he was sleeping in his bed it's two o'clock in the morning this this thing uh jumped on him he, he felt he was living by himself totally like to 100 he was like there was there was nothing in my room but i felt this like tiger-esque thing with claws and it jumped on me i didn't know what was going on he said he heard his dog kind of howling in the back in the corner. He had a little dog and it was and it was scared and trembling and and he he wakes up, he starts freaking out. Obviously, he's freaking out. And and he begins to kind of go through like, you know, what do I do? What's going on? And 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 it was as real as, you know, I am here talking to you guys. And he then begins to recite the Lord's Prayer. That's the first thing he thought to do. He was like, oh, this is obviously spiritual. There was something he knew there was something very evil and wicked about this thing. He and he actually did say he could kind of see the thing on top of him. He said the only reason was because it was darker than the rest of the dark in the room. And so he could kind of see this outline of darkness. It like it absorbed the dark of the room. And it was so it, if that makes sense. And he, and he saw, and he begins to recite the Lord's prayer. You know, our father who art in heaven, I'll be your name. You know, the kingdom come all this stuff. And then I think he does like the hail Marys. He goes like, he's just going through <laughs> the list, you know, and he's, he's trying to figure out and he doesn't, he, he, he finally gets in desperation. He remembers, and he knows my mom well, and, and he remembers kind of things my mom has, has talked about and, and the power of the name of Jesus. And so just in desperation, he, he, bl he blurts out, in the name of Jesus, get out. And he said, the moment he said the name of Jesus, this thing jumped off of him so quick. And he said he heard the claw marks on his hardwood floors exiting the room, like running mm. out of the room. And, and he gets up, and, and he doesn't know what to think of this, right? So he calls, uh, he calls I think it was his sister, and, and she comes out and stays with him a few weeks later. And, she, and she, he's like, I, I don't know, like, what is going on? And well, maybe you dreamt it. Maybe, you know, they start to, they start to just, you know, rationalize it away. Like, ah, I don't know if it was really like demons and stuff like that. Well, uh, the, the, his sister comes and stays with him and, and there's something this one night, there's just something eerie about it. And he says, Hey, would you come sleep in my room? I've got a couch in my room. Would you sleep in my room? And, and uh, about two o'clock in the morning, the sister wakes up screaming, get off, get off, get off. And it's the same thing happening to her. And so he run, gets up and jumps out of bed, goes over there, and 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 again goes through the whole process. Like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Like, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, the Hail Marys and everything. And it's like, what did I do last time? What did I do? And so, oh yeah, oh yeah, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And again, this thing jumps off of her, and they both hear it this time, the claw marks on the hardwood floors leaving the room, right? And now, again, I'm telling you this because that is the power of the name of Jesus. If you're dealing with spiritual warfare, speaking the name of Jesus is 
that is what you have to learn to do. And it even works for people who don't even know Jesus. And that's that's what and it's not a genie in a bottle. I don't want you to think that this is just something, but I think that's God's goodness. God says, Hey, even for those who don't know me yet and are searching and are open to it. I'm going to show you my power even before you really know who I am. So if that's you, speak out the name of Jesus and see what happens. So I know we're wrapping up, but I I have to say, so one thing that people also need to make sure they're doing is, yes, it's the the name of Jesus. It's, It's also, you can have good locks on, you can have the best locks on your doors, but if you leave the window open, a thief can still come in and take your stuff and harm you. And I think um, I was just remembering the story, and I won't tell it all for the sake of time, but there was someone when we were doing youth ministry, and they said that this thing came in and, and basically was would keep them strangled to the bed. And, um, and so we started walking around the house, and they had horror flicks. They had all these kinds of things in their house mm-hmm. to Nathan's, uh, Pastor Nathan's point a moment ago the kind of music that they were listening to like talked about um killing of babies and like there's all kinds of like demonic influences in this home mm-hmm. and so i'm like you've left the window open you've left literal portals open Hell, yeah that people don't even think that that stuff is real yeah. and that's i think that's part of the study when people say they don't believe the demonic's real or the devil's real well, if they don't believe he's real, then what harm is these other oh, things, yeah. mm-hmm. right? That's just entertainment, mm-hmm. but it's not entertainment. And and when we cleared all that stuff out, this this person and family never had. I mean, we prayed and went through the house and all the all the whole bit, but they never had another experience yeah. as long as I knew them. Yeah. But they continually had them before because they left the windows open, the portals mm-hmm. open for him to enter in. So if you're out there and you continually feel anxiety or depression or this sense of uneasiness or peace in your own home, mm-hmm. then I would submit to you, you probably have portals. You have probably have something, either you or your kids or something that's allowing this influence to come into your home. Yeah. That, I, uh, yeah, go I ahead. was going to say, you know, to the whole, you know, that, that story about, something sitting on your chest yeah my brother was uh my brother paul he's five years older than me and i was 13 years old he's 18 and we were taking him to zion bible institute up in rhode island and so it's a it's a big deal because you're dropping off your oldest brother right and so that's a something you kind of don't forget but i remember we stayed with somebody on the way and paul was sleeping on the couch and in in the next morning, I wake up and he's telling me this story about the that night. He said something sat on his chest; he couldn't breathe, mm. and he said it wrapped its hand around his neck. Now Paul's going up to Zion because he's going to go into the ministry, you know. Um, but this thing's got its hand around his neck and it's covering his mouth, and he can't breathe and he can't get it off. He said he felt like he was being pushed down into the cushions, like. That there was this concept of a great weight that was almost like suffocating him. And he called upon the name of Jesus and it lifted, mm. you know? Um, I, I think I've heard that story many times. You know, you hear the stories of what, what things are you allowing yeah. into your house? Uh, you know, you, you think you're playing around with things you think you can control, but you know, we don't tempt, we don't, we don't tempt this stuff. 
Yeah, we're not going you know, out he, looking for you, it. You know, yeah. he, Jesus has a conversation with Legion, but he doesn't talk to every demon. You know, it's like, let me just talk to it. And, yeah. you know, and where the, are those demons yeah, at? Yeah. You know, we, we, we deal with them, cast them down, yep. move on. Yep. Right. It's almost kind of like, get the stuff. Je- Jesus was saying like, oh my gosh, like this is wasted, wasted, like not wasting my time, but like, again, like I don't have time for this. I've got a mission. I, like it's almost like he got Legion got in the way of kind of the greater mission that Jesus was on. It was like, I'm going to deal with you right now, but you're really more of an annoyance and, and like, get out of my way or else I'm really going to like, I'm going to throw you into that abyss. You don't want to go like, okay, okay, okay. Like just throw us into the swine over there. All right, fine. Go to the swine, get out of my way. That's kind of what it feels like. Jesus is kind of like, if I remember correctly in that passage, Jesus doesn't go looking for the demon. He gets out of the boat and the demon approaches him. Yeah. You know? It realizes he's on shore. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're 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 in my area. (laughs) The authority has arrived. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And I think and I think that's, you know, there's a reason why in in uh, in Ephesians they're called principalities and powers. What are princes? Princes are rulers over a a geographical area. You know, we get uh, the prince of, I, I think it's the prince of Persia mm-hmm. that Daniel. is in the book of Daniel. So geographical areas. I had a missionary uh, who taught me in Bible college, and he said that a demon showed up to him. He was in Burkina Faso, and the demon demon showed up to him and said, I am the prince of Burkina Faso, and you are to leave my area. And he said, screw you, I'm going to have to <laughs> stay here, right? But <laughs> but in, in, in the end, when you have... Princes. Screw you! The, that's the King James version. So yeah, right. screw yeah. with you, <laughs> King, <it's> <laughs> King James. <laughs> it, it's it's screw it's the idea of uh, hey, <laughs> all authority has been given unto us, right? Yeah. You know, it, it was it was given to Adam and Eve. The devil took hold of it. Jesus came, beat the devil, got the authority back for himself, and then gave it back to us again. Amazing. And then the question is, are you going to walk in your authority? Yeah. Or not. And so that authority, I think we forget, like a lot of Christians will quote, like the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us, right? But we forget how powerful that is. Like right now, we're studying through the book of 1 Samuel, and we just got done talking about the ark and the power of the ark. It was so powerful, you couldn't even touch it. It literally would kill you because Mm -hmm. of the presence and power of God. Well, after Jesus died and resurrected from the cross, that power, it was so powerful then that it would kill anything that touched it is within us. So we we have the power, you know, within us coming coming from out of us that used to reside in that ark. We don't I don't think we understand how powerful we are, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Be, because of Christ residing in us, once we confess him as our Lord and Savior, the power that we have to defeat the enemy again, as long as we keep the authority structure in alignment, yeah, we're golden. Uh, do you remember when Josh Sousa and I uh, went over on the west side when my first year here at the oh, church? Yeah, the lady and, and the, the yeah. lady, this lady calls us. We'll wrap up with this story. This lady calls us, uh, calls a church, and Josh and I were at the gym, and uh, and so he calls the church and and was talking to I think your wife. Yeah, said that lamps were moving yeah, around the house. Yeah, and says we got I you know my house is demon possessed. Can you send anybody over here? Well, this is down on Washington Street on the west side. At that point we didn't have the Eagle Creek campus and that was kind of a hall. And so 
she goes, what do you want to do? And I go, well, Josh, let's go take care of it. And, and Josh is like, say what? <laughs> and so, uh, he, he's like trying to figure out, are we really going to go do this? You know? And I said, well, give us the address and we'll drive over. So we're driving over and, uh, and, and he's kind of, he's kind of talking to me about this. Like, are, what are we going to actually do? So we meet her at a Burger King cause she won't even go, she won't stay in her own apartment. Wow. Right. She, so we meet at this Burger King and we're sitting down with her and she you know, we're just kind of talking to her about her life and does she know Christ and all this different stuff. And, and she looks at us and she says, aren't you afraid? And I remember that I said, um, actually, ma'am, the demons are afraid of us. And Josh's like, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's like, he's like, uh, epic you know, it was, music it, it was, it, yeah, yeah, cue epic right. music, yeah, right? Yeah. And so she was just really kind of amazed at that answer. But we walked over to her house and we go in the house and, and almost exactly like what pastor chip just said, I get there. There's no, there's nothing moving around. You know, the house does smell a lot like pot. I will say that. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, and as we come in, she's she's standing outside, and she, and and she's she says, "Did did you see anything? You know, do you, you know? I, I think the question was, does she think she's crazy? Do I believe her?" And I go, "Ma'am, I I believe you. Nothing happened when I'm there, but I don't think they really want to deal with me. But but can I be honest with you? I noticed on your coffee table." all the horror movies, all these DVD horror movies you have all over here. And I said, you've just given place to the enemy. You've invited him in your home, and then you're shocked whenever you get scared because he's doing stuff and messing with you. And 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 I just said, you know, you don't have to live this way. It was interesting. She gave her life to the Lord that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, cool. we, we led her to Christ, and she started going to the church that was right next door, you know? So it's it just awesome. one of those things. They are afraid of us if we walk in our authority. And I, that, and I like how you put that, Pastor Chip, because it's not, it's not that there's something big time special about me other than I am the vessel in which the Holy Spirit lives. And wherever God sends you, just kind of think of yourself as a Jedi warrior out there. You're, you're out there to put things into right order again. You know, you should, you should see yourself as a holy priest of the Lord, because the Bible says that we are a priesthood of believers and they should be scared of us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, that's a it's a cool conversation, guys. I love uh, talking about angels and demons and the authority that Christ has given us, and and it's only by His power that that we have that we can have that boldness and that. But you don't have to be scared. I love that Nathan, like that story. You just you know, it's like no, the demons are scared of us because because we're walking in that power. So wherever you are, walk in the power of of the Spirit of the Living God, and you're gonna see you're gonna see demons trying to get out of your way. They won't be able to get out of your way fast enough uh, when, when you start wheeling that that authority. So, 
But um, hey, uh, you know, you could always comment, uh, leave a like if you're dealing with things and you need prayer, like, you know, you know, let us know. We on have our... a special Ghostbusters unit. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, sort of. Yeah, we'll send Nathan over there. He'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, but anyway, thanks for listening today. Pastor Chip, thank you so much for joining us. It's my joy. Yeah, he's at the Fishers campus. If you're in the Fishers, uh, Indiana area, check out uh, Life Church Fishers and you'll get to meet Chip and his uh, lovely wife, Deb. And But anyway, um, this has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. As always, I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. We talk about all the things culture doesn't want to talk about. Then go boom! <laughs> See you next time.